Welcome to the How to Be Awesome at Your Job podcast, the show where brilliant professionals share how to sharpen the universal skills required to flourish at work. Enjoy more career fun, wins, meaning, and money with your host, Pete Mikaitis. Hello, and thanks for joining us here for episode 618 with Jody Hume. If you've ever felt stuck, unclear, uncertain what to do next, Jody's got some excellent perspective on disentangling, getting unstuck, moving forward with great clarity and smooth, excellent decisions. You'll learn one, what to do when every decision seems overwhelming. Two, two best practices for sorting through tough decisions. And three, powerful questions to surface hidden roadblocks. So if you want to check out the show notes or the transcript or the links to items we mentioned here, it's at awesomeatyourjob.com slash EP618. That's awesomeatyourjob.com slash F618 for those resources. Now here's Jody's story. After a 15-year career as COO of a growing architecture firm, Jody Hume shifted gears and has made a name for herself over the last decade, providing on-call decision support and facilitation leadership conversations for startup founders, corporations, entrepreneurs, and executives. Each week, she also hosts So Here's My Story, a business podcast of real stories with poignant takeaways and plenty of humor. She's the lead singer for The Wafflers, and if you ask nicely, she might tell you about the time she won first place in a truck pull. Big thanks to Jody for sharing her wisdom with us, and big thanks to our sponsors. Check them out. One sponsor to check out is LinkedIn Jobs. Did you know that you can post a job for free at linkedin.com slash be awesome? And with a fresh year, perhaps you're like many small business owners looking for some fresh insight and talent to make 2024 extra amazing. Well, LinkedIn Jobs has created tremendous tools to help you find the right professionals for your team faster and free. I love how they make it so easy with their promotion and selection tools. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. No, no, no. LinkedIn has a vast network of more than a billion professionals, which makes it the best place to hire. Here's some fun facts. 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. And small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. You can post your job for free at linkedin.com slash be awesome. That's linkedin.com slash B-E-A-W-E-S-O-M-E, as in you are being awesome, be awesome, to post your job for free. Terms and conditions do apply. Now, here is Jody. Jody, thanks for joining us here on the How to Be Awesome at Your Job podcast. Great. Thanks for having me. Well, I'm excited to dig into your wisdom about decision making. But I think the first <laughs> we have to hear about your truck pull champion oh. performance. What's the story here? You want to jump right into the truck pull? Yeah. <laughs> Well, actually, that probably would be a great decision-making story because it involved a lot of not making decisions. It was just sort of one of those things where you know, a thing happens and then you do the next thing and then you do the next thing and then all of a sudden you're doing a truck pull. But to make a very long story short, because I'm, I'm 47, I've never been an athlete. That's just, I was a theater kid. That was just not my thing in the world. And uh, I was going to a gym where we were doing like deadlifts, but you were using the dumbbells. And I was frustrated because I knew I could lift more than I was, but my grip strength was not great. And the guy mentioned that if you took the actual barbell class, the, the how to learn how to really do it properly, that you could use the like the Olympic barbell kind of thing, and then you could lift a lot more. And that led into apparently they ended that with this mock lift meet, which I was like, I am not doing a mock weightlifting <laughs> thing that is not happening. But I did it. And from there, I got talked into doing this fundraiser strong woman competition, which I don't know if you are familiar with the like strong man, strong woman competitions, but they are a hoot because all of the things that you compete in 
are all so awkward. Like none of the things are like the normal things. You're like throwing a tire or you're, you know, doing these overhead presses with these duck circus dumbbells, they call them. So you have to like tilt your head really far to the right and it's all very awkward and weird. And so you have to really separate yourself from all concern about looking like an idiot. <laughs> Mm -hmm. <laughs> just do the thing. And a couple of the things you really couldn't even train for. Like we didn't have a truck. We could practice pull. We we did other things, but it was this whole training thing beforehand. And who knew it, but uh, I somehow ended up winning first place in a truck pull, pulling a bread, a seven ton bread truck. <laughs> wow. So, yeah. well, you know, it, it's a, I, I don't know why in my brain, when I read truck pull, I was thinking about a tractor pull. Right. But this is actually a very different. You are physically with your own strength pulling, pulling a, a truck. truck. <laughs> yeah. So I will tell you, interestingly, there were events that were way harder because that one's really just about getting it moving. There's a fantastic business metaphor here, by the way, because mm -hmm. it's a seven ton truck. And if you if it wasn't on wheels and you actually had to pull a seven ton truck, that is not an event that I would be participating in. It doesn't happen. The trick to the truck pull is simply to just get it rolling. Once you overcome that very initial inertia, which was particularly tricky because it was on cobblestones in the part of Baltimore here where it is, then it's just about like keeping it going and it becomes super, super, super fast. So the real backstory here is the reason I won first place, part of the reason, is a lot of people just couldn't get it moving. They just couldn't. And so the number of people who actually got it moving, then it came down to how fast you did it. But mm -hmm. it was just, could you get it going in the first place? Yeah. Well, and is there a trick to that? Or are you just... Uh... Actually, the trick was like the way you hold the rope. like Because uh, your grip strength, again, is a real limiter in a lot of things. And you were mm -hmm. allowed to wrap it around your wrist so that you could really use your whole body. But for some reason, people weren't doing that. But I did. Oh. Okay. See, well. I grew up where uh, manual labor was a, was quite often a part of our childhood, so I know how to like push and pull big things. <laughs> I guess. Well, that is handy. Well, Not I, a I thing do... on my resume, but who knew? <laughs> Pushing and pulling big things. Uh, <laughs> well, I, well, sometimes uh, decisions uh, really do feel like big things uh, oh, that need goodness. to be pushed or pulled because they're stuck yeah. <laughs> and maybe stuck for a long, long time. Yes, especially in 2020, man. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what I found most intriguing in, in your bio. So providing on-call decision support. Like, yeah. That just that, sounds like a lot of fun. Tell me, what, what does that mean? Well, that's a great question because there's no like easy word for what I do. I, you know, I do, I have been a coach. I have been a consultant. I'm a facilitator. I have other business, you know, background experience and whatnot. But really what it is now is this on-call decision support. And just recently, and I don't know why this didn't occur to me before, but some of my earliest memories were doing this for my mom. My mom was an entrepreneur. Both of her parents were entrepreneurs. They didn't hide any of those things from us. And I think looking back, I certainly didn't have this realization at the time. But while the obvious things that I learned from all those conversations were the the pieces of wisdom or knowledge or you know whatever you're learning about how businesses work, what I really, really came away with is how uniquely lonely business owners and leaders and people trying to guide anything can feel because they don't always have someone to talk to. Or And it's not even, when I say that, I don't always mean like a therapy conversation, just even to mentally process it, to get other feedback. There's such pressure to feel like you're supposed to know everything already and have all the answers. And so I was just really aware of these questions that my mom would get all snarled up in. And as she would talk, I would just be asking all these questions to kind of untangle 
and separate like facts from fictions or fears. And I don't know if that's just like my version of I see dead people. <laughs> mm. It's kind of triaging down to what's the real issue here and which things are like stories you're making up that's making it more complicated. Or are you actually trying to decide like eight steps down when it's really like an issue here? And over time, I realized that that was really at the core of what most most people in business need is not some big heavy coaching arrangement or even a therapist or a consultant. Most of the time, they just need somebody else to bounce a thing off of and ask them some really good questions, validate the parts that make sense, challenge the parts that maybe don't or should be questioned, and sometimes tell them to go take a nap, honestly, (laughs) 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 which happens more than you might might realize, especially this year. Yeah. And it's fun. (laughs) It was the part I liked the most. Well, there's, there's so much fascinating good stuff in there. So, and that, that really rings true in, mm. in terms of, of that is often what's needed. And you're right, it doesn't quite fit tidily into a lot of sort of pre-existing categories we have for, you know, support, coaching, consulting, right. therapy. Yeah, because all those things feel like a big deal, right? Like somebody right. talks about hiring, I'm going to hire a coach and it's like, mm-hmm. I have to find the right one and it's going to be expensive. And then if it's not working, I have to break up with them or same with therapists and whatnot. It's It's got all this like heavy weight to it. And I just, I don't think it needs to be that. It's Seth Godin has this fantastic quote that says, if you have a problem you can't talk about, now you have two problems. Yeah. <laughs> so I like to have people not have two problems. Okay. Well, so then... Help us to maybe can you give us a cool story to to make this come to life in, in terms of you know we can keep the confidentiality going you oh, know yeah, but yeah, absolutely. someone they were stuck and how they managed to get unstuck yeah I will make a comment about the nap thing first and then I'll tell you an actual story but a great portion of time because I feel like this one is really usable like as a self evaluation thing that won't get too hung up in well is that story like mine is that story not like mine there is a great number of times that when somebody calls me to run a thing by me, I can just immediately tell by the tone in their voice, the way there's like a heaviness in both of the things that they are, that they imagine are their two choices. There's just a lot of different clues about it where, because sometimes you can tell that they're dragging their feet because down deep, they know something's a really bad idea. And sometimes they're dragging their feet because down deep, they know something's a really good idea, but it's just really scary. That sounds completely different than the other way does. There's a specific kind of where just everything sounds heavy and nothing feels good or light or exciting where I really do think that if I offered, they're so exhausted that if we were trying to decide between a hamburger or a cheeseburger, they (laughs) wouldn't be able to decide. And that is when I say you have to find some way, whether it's a nap or whether it's taking a day off or, or just taking the evening off or turn it, whatever it is, whatever sliver of renewal time you can find, there's really no point in us talking about this until you get some rest. Like your brain, and there's all sorts of neuroscience behind this. This is not a like luxury thing. Your brain cannot, when it gets that depleted, it cannot even access that part of your brain that can get to the really nuanced, important thinking part. And so you are kind of at half mast. So I always sort of say to people, if I had one piece of advice, like check in on if you need a little, if you need a nap or if you need a break, if you need to go walk around in the forest for a little bit or something and just see if that makes your problem easier. Because a lot of times, you just sort of magically, there's an easy decision on the other side. 
Well, that's powerful. And and I think it's it's interesting in that I think most of us are at some level of tired. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> no, it's chronic right now. There are so many. I mean, first of all, and I promise I will get back to my story. Never in at least our history. I mean, certainly way, way, way back when, but in the time any of us have been alive, it doesn't feel like every single decision is like potentially a life and death decision. You know? <laughs> mm-hmm. It's a little bit less so now, but you know, for months going to the grocery store felt like this huge weighty thing. My kids saying, can I see a friend? I'm like, oh, I don't know. That's a lot of like so many things to consider. We're not used to, and we are not built for that level of constant threat of considering that many things where there's so much uncertainty, so little guidance on what the right thing to do is, changing variables, not to mention the emotional weight of isolation and not getting to do the things that we look forward to. That's a huge one. I don't think anyone really understood the value and importance and nutrition we get out of having things to look forward to. And there's a lot, like there's not a lot you can even bank on to look forward to right now because it might get canceled. And so there's just all these things that we never really realized were important that fed us and things that are more heavy. And so, yeah, exhaustion is a chronic, chronic thing right now, for sure. Well, and I guess that all rings true. And and to that end, I'm curious, you say they're so exhausted they couldn't choose between a hamburger (laughs) and a cheeseburger. And I imagine sometimes it's exaggeration, sometimes it's not, (laughs) because I've been there before. Yeah. Then is there sort of an acid test or rule of thumb or guideline you use for too tired, inadequately rested, try again later? Yeah. So I thought about drawing this out almost like a Maslow's hierarchy of needs, but like how to know if you are just stick a fork in me done. (laughs) It's often like anytime you're spinning your wheels on a thing where you're just like churning and churning and churning, it's good to check in. Like, do I need, do I need a nap? If everything starts to feel heavy and not fun, that's another time where if you sort of I think in metaphor a lot. If you do like a 360 spin around everything in your life and nothing is like, oh, that's a place where that feels good. That's a really good sign. You just need to get out. And I want to be super clear about something. I preach this this talk. I, you know, I stand on this soapbox all the time, and I am just as bad about this. I we went on a vacation in August sort of. I mean, it wasn't even a real vacation. That's kind of the point. And we could only get this little cabin in the middle of nowhere. It was from Monday to Friday, and that felt like a vacation. I knew we needed to get out of here because we'd been in here for weeks and we, you know, months and months. And that felt like a long time. And I didn't really think through the fact that, you know, you check into the cabin on Monday and you at like four and you check out at like 10 on Friday. So really, it was only like three days. So it didn't really quite scratch my reset itch. And I came back over the weekend and I did some work on Monday and it just wasn't, I really needed that renewal and it was, I wasn't feeling it. But on Tuesday, a friend of mine called me to see if I wanted to go for a hike. And of course, what's my immediate thought? Like, I can't take the morning off. I've, I was just gone for a week. I got to get back to work. But it was the only day that week that was going to be nice. And so I went and here's why I'm telling you the story, <laughs> because I feel like it provided me quantitative evidence of what happens neurologically speaking when you are basically your brain's like a wadded up piece of paper because I love to take pictures. I love taking pictures. And when I got home from this hike, it was three and a half hour hike, the first half of the hike on my camera roll, there's two pictures and they are the most boring, obligatory. Like if somebody said, Jody, you have to take 
pictures of the trees and <laughs> pictures of the sky. And that's it. There's nothing of interest. And then about halfway through, you start seeing, I start taking like a few pictures. The last like half hour, 40 minutes of the hike, I take like 70 pictures and they're some of the coolest, most interesting, like really, I love these photos. And for the next three days, I was like on fire. I got more done. Decisions were easy. Everything seemed simpler. And it's like that camera roll. I just watched my brain unfold back to its normal shape and I felt it. Like I felt more relaxed. So the other thing too is I would just say you don't necessarily need validity that you need a break. It's not going to hurt you to get like an extra break. (laughs) So just take a break and see if it helps and use that as evidence to give yourself permission to take the next break. (laughs) Yes. And I think that's great advice for a lot of people. It's so hard to take though. It's so hard. Well, I, I guess I what, what I was driving at is, so there's one place is like just clear. It's like nothing seems fun or interesting. Okay, yeah. check. Definitely need some re- refreshment. I'm having a hard time making even the most basic of decisions. Like what do I feel like eating? All right, another great indicator. Rest is urgently needed. Anything else that leaps to mind for you there? Just staying a little bit more attuned to your energy level before it gets that depleted because it takes more at that point. So I think of it, you know, in business, we talk a lot about financial capital and I think a lot about energetic and emotional capital Mm -hmm. and just paying attention. I kind of, it sounds kind of corny, but I check in every, I won't say I do it every day. I'm just not that routine about things, but every couple of days I kind of check in on what is giving me energy and what is taking energy and it's almost like it's just a math formula. Is there are there more things giving me energy than taking energy? And not every day is going to be like that. I mean, you're going to have days where there's more taking than getting. <laughs> it happens, but the sum total has to be that you are for it to be sustainable is that you are at least neutral, if not positive. And I use that to judge the mix of clients I have at any given time, or the type of work that I'm doing, or even in parenting. Like my husband and I both have, I sing in a band. My husband played in a pool league. We do those things because we're better parents if we're happy humans. And so just making sure that you don't get depleted along the way so that you don't actually need like a litmus test because you're just making sure. It's just nutrition, really, making sure the good things are going in. Okay. Well, so then let's let's give an example then. So someone's stuck. And then we disentangle and it's all clear. Yeah, just like that. Mm-hmm. That's all there is to it, just like that. <laughs> no, so here's here's one of my favorite stories, actually. So a few years ago, I had a client call because it hits on some of the reasons why this work feels so important to me. A client called me. I'd, I'd known him for quite a while, but we hadn't worked together in a little while. And he said, I want to run this by you because everyone in my life says this thing is a really good idea. And on paper, I know it's a really good idea and I'm dragging my feet and I don't know why. I was like, all right, let's dig into it. Tell me what's going on. And so the deal was that he had an opportunity to, I forget whether it was a merger or an acquisition, kind of doesn't matter, to like merge with this other company. And on paper, almost no one in the world would say it was a bad idea. Like on paper, it looked like a really good opportunity, financially speaking, growth of the business, all these kinds of things if you sort of flip over to the personal side of his life, because of those things, his wife was super excited about it. Even she's like, this is great. This is, you know, the the growth you've been looking for and and blah, blah, blah. So he's getting support from there. 
his business friends were in his, he was in a peer group, were all saying like, how could you say no to this? This is a fantastic idea. And he said, and I lie in bed awake at night. And which is where a lot of the stories that come to me <laughs> start. I often hear like, this is what I'm worrying about at night. So I'm lying about and wake tonight and I just get sick to my stomach when I talk about doing this thing. So I poke, I do what I do. I, I poke around because it's not like I'm, I'm no oracle. It's not like I know all the answers. So I kept asking him questions. I kept kind of poking around, looking under this rock, looking under that rock, sort of pulling on one thread that didn't untangle anything, pulling on this one. And then all of a sudden it hit me and I said, hold on a second. How old is your, your son right now? And he was going into his senior year. And I said, what is your next year going to look like if you go ahead with this deal? And he was like, oh, I'm going to be gone. You know, I have to travel here. I have to travel there. I'm going to be in Phoenix for this amount of time and whatnot. And I was like, huh. And he's like, why? I was like, didn't you say at one point that it was really important for you to be around these last couple years of high school? And there was this long pause. And he was like, that's it. That was the thing that was like stuck in the back that this personal detail, which doesn't show up on sort of the business conversations. And that this is one of the most important things for me is that there are things that have to do with a specific company that are all really, really important. Then there's a list of questions and curiosities that have to do with, with business in general or the person or their, their sort of family circumstances. And then there's the person themselves and their weird quirks and strange things they care about. And if you're really curious about all of them, you kind of dig down to a thing that all of a sudden zings on it. And he didn't want to miss that that last time. And so basically that was sort of sticking this oar in the water. And the minute I mentioned his son, he got it. He was like, oh my gosh, I don't want to miss this time. I'm like, right. And the cool thing about this is that didn't mean he didn't do the deal because it was still a really great thing. But he was with that knowledge and that awareness, he was able to do it in a way that didn't completely ruin that entire year. He's able to stay here more. That meant it not being as great a deal because he had to make some concessions, but that was okay because he this really mattered to him. And so what it is, what I think is important here for decision in decision to support is any way that you can make the invisible more visible to bring those things into light so that then you can use them to decide better. Yeah, that's powerful. It's like we know things in our body, in our emotions, in our subconscious, in our intuition that we can't yet articulate. Mm -mm. And so, so, but there's something there that's real. And so that's kind of magical. <laughs> do not step over it. That's the thing is, is like, if you step over that, if you step over whatever it is that's making you drag your feet, there's a cost to it. And th the interesting thing is sometimes what's hanging you up is just a fear or a story you're making up. I mean, th that that whole thread of things comes up a lot where when somebody's telling me what's going on, to me, it always sort of feels like a peanut M&M, except in this, it's a terrible metaphor because <laughs> in this case, <laughs> chocolate is bad <laughs> yeah, <laughs> or not bad, but just not useful. And so I struggle with that here. But, <laughs> you know, when somebody's telling me a situation that they're trying to figure out there's always this, you know, the peanuts, like the nugget of truth. There's always this truth that is, that's really real. That's in there if you listen, but then they often, and by they, I mean, also me, sometimes you wrap it up in suppositions about other people in assigning intent on, you know, this happened. And then 
And clearly she said that because X, Y, Z, and then they tell you this elaborate story that you're like, wow, I couldn't have made that connection if I tried. Like those two things are not synonymous Mm -hmm. and they layer on all these things and then they create this like swirl of stuff that makes it really hard to decide. But only some of that is factual and some of it's story. And the story might be right, but when you conflate them all together, it makes it really hard to decide. Yeah. Well, I'm sold. So, so Jody, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, doing this work is simply like watching someone else parallel park a car. And the cool mm-hmm. thing is, almost anyone can do it for you with just a tiny bit of structure. And so the, the one thing that I will tell people to do, because like I said, it's, I mean, you can try it for yourself. And sometimes I can do it for myself. It's really hard. But is just simply for the first, I don't know, five, 10 minutes, just a little bit of time, they're only allowed to ask you questions. And that also means you can't <laughs> you can't say a suggestion in the form, like just by raising your voice at the end. So it sounds like a question like, have you considered da-da-da-da-da-da? <laughs> That's not a question. Just be what I think of as like stupidly curious. Cause a lot of times when people are talking to us, we want to sound really smart, like we want to be helpful and and give great insights and whatnot. And I'm a big fan of asking questions that you think you might know the answer to, like being brave enough to ask, well, how does that feel when like something is like that you think you're supposed to know how it feels? Because doesn't everybody feel happy or sad Mm -hmm. when that thing happens? Well, guess what? Maybe not. And like being brave enough to just ask questions and be super curious and dig into a thing. Because the other magic trick is that there's a great portion of time where somebody's actually working on the wrong problem. Like they, they want to work on this problem because they're trying to avoid a different one. And so if you listen for that and get down to that one, a lot of times the decision's easier. Yeah. So already we're getting some, some takeaways here is one, find a partner. It doesn't sound like they need to be a genius or have any special, you know, credentials or, <laughs> or training nope. beyond your pro tips right now. So, so <laughs> all right. So find a partner. And then um, let's say maybe, maybe we want to be that partner for somebody. Or we want to give instructions for, hey, partner, here's what I need you to do for me. Mm -hmm. Lay it on us. What what do we tell them in terms of how that's done? Biggest thing is is start off asking questions and just be really curious. The second one is a little bit, can be a little bit hard for some people, although I actually think a lot of people are much better at this than they imagine, which is paying attention to your your intuition, which is when I say that, I I mean the actual like physical experience. Like if, if when somebody's talking, you feel like a little bit, sick to your stomach, it doesn't mean that they're nauseating you. It just, it just means that like something's amiss there. Like they might be skipping over something or there's like a, I don't know, there's something going on there that's worth being a little more curious about and asking some other questions or even saying like, Hey, what's that? That felt weird. The same goes for if something doesn't make sense. Mm -hmm. Uh, Trust that you are smart enough to follow along and that you do not need to understand every single little intricacy of their business for, to really hear what's happening and it's kind of like listening, those like visual puzzles where if you relax your eyes, the image comes out. Oh yeah, out. the stereograms? Oh, good What's job. That I, I would have never come up with that in a million years, but let's call I it that. I remember those. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, where you relax your eyes and then like a you know horse comes out or something. It's like listening like that. You don't have to listen like you are solving a puzzle. You listen with like all of you and just notice what happens because here's the most important thing. There may come a point in the conversation where throwing out your 
advice or experience might be helpful, but do not assume that the same will apply. I work with lots of companies who have been there, done that a million times, but it just, you might have the same kind of company, but because X worked over here does not mean X will work over here. And so just resist the urge to sort of leap in as Galahad with the answer, feeling like that's what scores the points. What scores the points is getting down to what really matters to this person in this situation and helping them just see the landscape a little more clearly. And then they can find their own way out. That That's really what matters is helping them see more clearly because they have all the answers. They just can't see them at the moment. Okay. And with some of these questions, you know, what are some of your favorite go-tos? <laughs> that's a really great question. Some of them are sound really lame. I, I said one before, like, what's that like? Mm-hmm. Or how do you feel about that? Sound like really cheesy therapy questions or something, but you'll be shocked at what comes out. The other thing that I often ask about is when, if you listen in a story, if somebody feels like they jump from point A to point Z, and it feels like they're being super ADD and just like pinballing around, notice that and ask them like, how are those things related? Because they jump, they made that jump because there is a correlation there. And it might seem they're like, oh, I'm bouncing all around. I'm like, no, 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 you are laying out breadcrumbs on a path of what you are worried about or concerned about. And so asking about those leaps is another really good one. Yeah, that is great. Yeah. Cause there, there is a connection there or else they wouldn't have made the leap and that could be powerful to identify. And the, probably the most important thing though, is to remember that if you are trying to play this role for someone, or if you're telling someone how to play this role for you, but I'll, I'll stay in the, in the context of, if you are trying to play this role for someone, this is not about having the answers for people. That is not what's happening here. It's you are just providing the space and the permission and the curiosity for them to figure out their own thing. Because otherwise you're a consultant. That's the distinction. Like you're not there as the, the oracle that they're coming to <laughs> for advice. You're just creating this space. And it always reminds me of this story from when I was probably like seven or eight years old. And we went to vacation Bible school for the summer. And I came home with one of those little white styrofoam cups with some sort of plant planted in. I don't remember what the lesson was, but my sister and I both had one. And her little, was like weeks later, her little plant was like six inches tall, mine, nothing, like not even a little like bloop of a thing coming up out of the dirt. And I was, of course, devastated. I don't know why, but I was. I remember being really sad looking at it in the window and hers was growing. I was probably competitive, but <laughs> whatever, doesn't matter. And I remember my mom coming in and now that I'm a mom, I'm sure she was just crushed for me because I was clearly sad. And she looks over and she goes, hmm. And she reaches over and with just like her, her pointy finger, she like flicks this little like glump of dirt, like just this little tiny glomp, whatever that is, of dirt. And boing, up comes my plant, which was nowhere near as big as my sister's, but it was growing. It was doing everything it needed to do. It just had this little like clump of dirt that was a little bit heavier than it had the strength to be. And when she just flicked it out of the way, it got about the business of continuing to grow and it didn't even need our help. Mm -hmm. And that so often feels like the work of being someone's decision support or like watching them parallel park a car. You're just kind of pointing out the things, but they are doing the work. It is not your job to be like the rescuer here or the answer provider. You're just facilitating their answer for themselves, really. That's beautiful. Thank you, Jody. Tell me, (laughs) 
anything else you want to make sure to mention about energy or decision-making or supporting others' decision-making before we shift gears and hear about some of your favorite things? Just that the thing that I would really watch out for that ties all these things together for me is there's that stupid phrase that came up somewhere in leadership where like it's lonely at the top. And Mm -hmm. I just, I think in business, it's stupid for it to ever feel lonely. I, I don't know how we made it so taboo to have any conversation in business that doesn't look like everything's great and we know all the answers and we're killing it. It's a huge disservice to the growth of the company and to the growth of the people who are trying to grow the company. And so finding these places where you can have the conversations that don't have anywhere else to go is, I just think, powerfully important for the individual people, but also for the for the companies as well. Well, thank you. Well, now if you share with us a favorite quote, something you find inspiring. Yeah. So definitely my favorite quote is that Seth Godin quote, that if you have a problem you can't talk about, now you have two problems. <laughs> and a favorite study or experiment or piece of research? Mm, that one would definitely go to the neuroscience of sleep and how, I'll make this very short, but being just switching to like six hours of sleep a night not only has just as bad of effect as being awake for three days, but in comparative studies to those two groups, the people who switched to six hours of a sleep, not only did they lose like 15 points in IQ testing on the cognitive testing like before and after, but the really scary thing was the people who had been awake for three days were very aware of their impaired ability and felt like that you're like, I shouldn't drive and I don't feel so good. The people who had just switched to six hours were equally impaired but had but reported zero awareness of that impairment. Well, that, that's very fascinating. Now, that, that impairment, so 15 points decline in IQ test scores. Mm-hmm. I got to believe in some ways those who were sleep deprived for three days were more impaired on some dimensions. You would think so. Yeah. <laughs> I have, it's, been, it's been quite a number of years since I read the actual study, but I know that they had comparative... Now, what they may have had is is differences in the areas of impairment that may have been zero, but they had, or may have been the case, but they had equivalent overall degradation and cognitive ability from the umbrella standpoint. Okay. Thank you. And scary that they weren't aware of it. I think that's the part that I, oh, I really honed in on. I was like, oh my gosh. And they didn't even know it. <laughs> yeah. Well, and how about uh, a favorite book? My favorite book, if it's not one of the how to have hard conversation books that I love would probably be this little book that somehow ended up in my mailbox one day called Winning with Accountability. It's by Henry Evers, I believe. And what I love about it, I can tell you in one fell swoop, which is the whole book is about using accountability not as an after-the-fact punitive measure of like what you do to people after they screw up, Mm -hmm. but instead how to front load accountability as a culture in an organization so that you don't get off the rails in the first place, which I just find so much more valuable than, well, how do we hold people accountable? I'm like, you mean to whack them with a stick? Like Mm -hmm. they're grownups. I don't think that's very helpful. Okay. Well, so uh, sticks are not the tool, but sticks are uh, not the tool. is there a favorite tool that helps you be awesome at your job? My favorite tools were whiteboards and uh, sticky notes and helping like people visualize and see what was previously fuzzy. And so that has all gone the way of the dodo this year in 2020. So there's a couple online tools, both Miro and Mural that I've mm-hmm. been using that are pretty cool. I'm actually almost liking them more than my 
by hand facilitation tools to help people kind of see things that are bouncing around in there, but they, it's such a blur because it's just bouncing all over each other. So when you kind of lay it out for them, they're like, oh, okay, now I get it. Okay. And a favorite habit, something you do to be awesome at your job. I like to call it strategic hooky. <laughs> kind of goes back to the, uh, the conversation we were having about when I just feel like I'm beating my head against a wall or I'm slogging. And I really do. I'm not even joking. I think it's a strategic habit to know when to play hooky and go play guitar for the day or go for a hike or do something to get my head back in its like normal shape. And I have never once regretted that. And I end up getting 10... The excuse is always I have too much to do to do that. That's always the excuse. But I get 10 times done a thousand times faster if I, you know, on, on the regular take some sort of hooky break. And is there a particular nugget you share that really seems to connect and resonate with folks? They quote it back to you frequently? (laughs) There's probably two things that get quoted back to me the most frequently. One is that progress usually looks like a new set of problems, which sounds kind of depressing, but it's really not. It's the recognition that as you grow a thing, that you will encounter newer and different problems. And those really aren't usually as frustrating and as like drag you downish as it is to just be hitting the same problems over and over again. And so I will often joke with my clients and then they will joke, they will email me. I will get little messages from old, old clients. Sometimes they're like, yay, we have even new problems. (laughs) But if, you know, if you can't, if you can't enjoy the new problems, then growth of any kind is, is going to be a double-edged sword for you. So the faster you can kind of embrace that, that every solution comes with its own new set of problems and just enjoy it, the better. Okay. And if folks want to learn more or get in touch, where would you point them? Uh, The easiest place is at leadingclarity.com. And you can read about the work that I do. You can subscribe to my podcast that I have each week. But the other thing that I offer just to listeners of these interviews that I do is a 20-minute time with me that they can schedule. And I want to be super clear about something. This, that is not only is it not a sales call, but I literally will not discuss with you on that call working with me. If that's something that interests you, we, we have to do that on another call. I want it to be that clean. It's just, I'm beta testing. I'm doing it for two reasons. One, because I want, if people feel like they don't have a place for conversations to go, I want them to at least get a little bit of a taste of what that can feel like and maybe even brainstorm where they can get that in their lives. And two, it's also helping me out a little bit because I'm I am beta testing how to do that availability at more of a scale. And I just want to see like, what's the tiniest little bit of of having space for that that is even helpful. And so they've been really I've I've had quite a few of them so far and I am absolutely loving them. They're they're a lot of fun. So That's cool. So so how do we get one of those? <laughs> they're right it's right on the page. You can just like I said it's not a public page that you have to know the link to get there. And so anyone can schedule the 20 minutes. Okay. Beautiful. And do you have a final challenge or call to action for folks looking to be awesome at their jobs? I don't want to beat a dead horse about like, go talk to someone, (laughs) Mm -hmm. but I probably am because right now, this year in particular, not only is it a hard year, but the thing that I think affects people the most is when all of their issues blur together, because then you can't, you don't have as much clarity on what to do about them. And every, it's almost like everything in life conflated in on itself So, you know, if you don't like, you know, if you weren't absolutely in love with your house, you're super feeling it right now. If there's any crack in your relationship, you're super feeling it right now. You're spending tons of time with your kids. You're also being their teachers. 
the economy's unstable. I mean, there's just, there's so much that, you know, in as much as self-care or getting what you need, all those kind of conversations have sometimes gotten kind of roll your eyes side eye from some people. It is even more important right now that you do whatever it is that you need to like fill back up. So whether that's spending time playing your guitar or going outside or running or whatever it is, just you have to find time for that. It's not sustainable without it. Jody, this has been powerful. Thank you so much for spending the time and I wish you lots of luck and great decisions. Thanks, Pete. I loved so much of what Jody had to say there in terms of, and it's really, it's funny, Jody really does walk the talk. We were talking a little bit afterwards. <laughs> she was being very curious with me and helping me with some stuff. So boy, there's a lot of power there and just teaming up with somebody and I think maybe we just need to build the How to Be Awesome at Your Job community to facilitate uh, connections where where this can easily be done. I've been noodling on this for a long time, and I might be get, letting the uh, perfect get in the way of the good here, and we just got to accelerate. So, hey, shoot me an email, Pete at awesomeatyourjob.com, if that sounds cool, to have a place where we can kind of get together and maybe match up people for sessions of, of disentangling like this. But anyway... Awesome stuff from Jody in terms of another person being key and helping you sort of sort through those things. And just some of those questions, what's that like? How do you feel about that? And how are those things related? It's so handy (laughs) because when people ask me those questions, it really does make me feel great and help sort through things. And they say, oh yeah, I guess those things are related because of this. Oh, patterns emerging. So cool. Great stuff from Jody. Again, the show notes, the transcripts, the links to items we've referenced are at awesomeatyourjob.com slash ep618. If you haven't already, I recommend you push subscribe. We've got a really cool guest coming up next. You may have heard of him, Seth Godin. Just Google Seth if you haven't. His blog is so full of brilliance and it was a really fun conversation. This is someone I've looked up to for years and, and he shared some goods with us associated with how you can more effectively produce creative work defined broadly. And so I'm digging it. I think you will too. That's Seth Godin on the next episode of How to Be Awesome at Your Job. Hope to catch you there. In peace. Thanks for listening. To get the most out of the show, we recommend two key things. First, check out the extra resources at awesomeatyourjob.com. You can find this episode's transcript and links, as well as the perfect episode for your situation. You can search the full text transcripts of hundreds of episodes or explore episodes tagged by topic and competency covered. Second, subscribe to the podcast and get future episodes automatically. You can subscribe by telling Siri and several other smartphones and speakers, subscribe to the How to Be Awesome at Your Job podcast or by tapping subscribe in your podcast player of choice. If you'd like some extra help figuring out podcasts and how subscriptions work, visit awesomeatyourjob.com slash subscribe for guidance. Hope to catch you on the next episode of How to Be Awesome at Your Job. Let's jump into Peppa's world of play. Look for spring flowers, hunt for muddy puddles, and bravely explore exciting places with Peppa play sets. Peppa Pig. Inspiring kid confidence.